There we go. You know this scenario is played out every Sunday somewhere. Though the opening words of Ecclesiastes, though in the opening words of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is identified as the preacher in these first four chapters, I mean, just reading it and studying it, it's, 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 it's been more like Solomon the counselor or Solomon the advisor. But now, as we're about to see, he starts sounding like the preacher. He's going to start preaching now. And what we are about to read is as good for us in 2019 as it was for those in Solomon's day. What what we're about to read, according to one writer, is for, and I quote, the well-meaning person who likes a good sing and turns up cheerfully enough to church, but who listens with half an ear and never quite gets around to what he has volunteered to do for God. In other words, what we're about to consider in this message tonight is not for non-church-going people. This message tonight is for those who do go to church but maybe not necessarily go the right way. He's talking to people who find it hard to pay attention, whose thoughts wander when they pray, and who are full of of good intentions about serving God, but have trouble following through. The words of Solomon tonight are for people who know they need to be involved. They know they need to be involved in ministry. They usually come up for excuses, come up with excuses for why they're not doing it. They have people who've started a a serious program for personal Bible study several dozen times, but have never finished. They try to pay attention in church, but usually spend half of their time thinking about the upcoming week. To people like that, to people like us, Solomon opens chapter 5 with these words. Keep thy foot, or if you will, watch your step. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? How many of you parents have used that phrase? Young man, you better watch your step. Young lady, you better watch your step. What are we saying? We're saying that they are coming dangerously close to disrespecting you as a parent. And they better watch out. And they better take heed and they better start paying attention to the way they're acting. And Solomon uses that phrase in chapter 5 
to let us understand right off the bat that we better pay attention to whether or not we're respectful in our approach to the Lord. You see, there is a right way and a wrong way to come to church. Did you get that? There is a right way and there is a wrong way to come to church. And in this next session, or session, section, Solomon addresses two issues, and we'll look at those tonight. And the first one has to do with the folly of heartless worship. The folly of heartless worship. Look at verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. I think you'd agree with me tonight that every journey requires preparation. Number one, you've got you to know where you're going. And number two, you've got to know what, what you're going to need to take with you. And then you're going to need to know what you don't need to take with you. If you're going to the grocery store, then you need money and you need a shopping list. What you don't need is an appetite. If you're going to the water park, you need a towel and you need some sunblock. If you're going hunting, then you need a gun and, or a, a bow and some ammo or some arrows. And as Sunday morning approaches, it can be all too easy to give corporate worship of the church less thought and preparation than your last trip to the grocery store or to the water park. Going to church can sadly become just another weekend activity. But shouldn't corporate worship be different? Shouldn't we treat going to church different than going to the grocery store or going to the water park or going to the ball game? How, how should we prepare our hearts for our weekly gathering with God's people? Now, if you're in the choir tonight, you know that Brother Tyler harps on this all of the time and I'm glad he does it's a good reminder he'll text us on Saturday night what are you doing right now to prepare for tomorrow morning because Sunday morning worship starts on Saturday night and so that's that's the that's the thought of what Solomon is teaching us here that we need to make sure that we approach God the right way. And the right way to approach God in worship 
is to come with our ears wide open. Solomon assumes that when people go to the house of God, that there's going to be something for them to hear, and that something is the word of the living God. Please understand this. You're not coming to listen to me. You're not coming to to hear my words or Pastor Tyler's words or somebody else's words. We need to understand that when we step into this place, we're coming to hear the words of the living God. Now, he uses human instruments to convey those words, but still it is the word of God. The house of God is a place for the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. So the first questions we need to ask ourselves as we prepare for worship are questions like this. Am I ready to listen to the voice of God? Is my heart open to spiritual instruction are my ears attentive to the message that i will hear from the bible and this is a big one am i willing to act upon what i hear go to ezekiel chapter 33 i think this will give us a better understanding of what solomon is is talking about, and it, it paints a very, uh, very vivid picture. And again, I think this is something that probably happens on a regular basis in God's house. But in Ezekiel chapter 33, and then we're going to go to Psalm 78. But look at the, the, the charge level against the people of God in Ezekiel chapter 33. And verse 31, and they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they set before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, look at this church, but they will not do them, for with their mouth, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice. Oh, you ought to come and, and hear our pastor or or, oh, you just, you've got to come and, and listen to our pastor's son preach. I mean, you're going to love it. You, you just got to come. And, and, and they, I mean, they build it up, and it's all wonderful and great, and they play well on an instrument. But they hear thy words, but they do them not. Whether it's your pastor or your pastor's son, oh, you got to come. Now, I don't plan on doing anything they, they say, but it's good. And that's the way the people in Ezekiel's day were coming to church. They could talk the talk, 
but they couldn't walk the walk. Look at Psalm chapter 78. You with me tonight? Psalm 78. Verse 36. Mm. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their, or excuse me, flatter him with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And they're lying. They're lying. They're not there to praise God. And that's what the psalmist is saying. In talking with the woman at the well, Remember what Jesus said to her? He said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in what, church? Spirit and in truth. The word truth there means truly or with verity. The phrase with verity means genuinely or authentically. It means to worship the Lord for reals. Not just playing a game. It is true, heartfelt, authentic, genuine worship. So here's what Solomon tells us tonight, church. Be careful. Be careful this Sunday morning that you do not come into the Lord's house simply to put on a show of what appears to be genuine worship. Because you read what I read, he said, that's foolish. That's foolish. He said, well, preacher, how do I know if my worship is genuine and authentic? And I think it's very simple. Do I do what the Word of God says we're supposed to do? Is that fair enough? So Brother Tyler stands up and preaches on Sunday morning. You want to know whether you worship the Lord genuinely or authentically? Then you're going to go out Sunday afternoon or Monday morning and you're going to put to practice what you heard. It means that you're going to come Sunday morning like we're talking about right now. That means you authentically and genuinely worship the Lord. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't have the guitars and, and we didn't have the worship songs and, and we didn't have the choir. That doesn't matter. Because worship is not a feeling. Now, I'm a feel kind of person. Okay, I, I can't deny the way God made me. Okay, I'm very emotional. I don't mind raising my hands in church. I don't have a problem with that. Who I am. I'm very emotional. But worship is not about emotion. Worship is about obedience. So you're going to know whether or not you worship tonight by how you come into church Sunday morning. Amen. So preacher being pretty hard on us for being gone. I'm just, I'm just preaching. Solomon said, Solomon said, you better watch your step. 
when you come into the house of God, you need to come the right way. And there is a right way and there is a wrong way. Warren Wiersbe said, the worship of God is the highest ministry of the church and must come from devoted hearts and yielded wills. Hearing the word, listen, hearing the word and obeying the word go together. James said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So simply put, Solomon said, you're, you're just fooling yourself if you think that you genuinely worship the Lord when all you do is hear the word, but you don't do it. He said, you're deceiving yourself. You're pulling your, the wool over your own eyes. What was the charge against the people in, uh, of God in Ezekiel 33? For they hear thy words... But they do them not. Here's what's sad about the heartless worship that is so often offered before the Lord. The people don't understand that they're doing something evil. Now, I didn't say that. Solomon said it. For they consider not that they do evil. Well, breach of murder in somebody's evil. Assaulting somebody, that's evil. Come on, coming to church and not really paying attention, is that evil? According to Solomon, it is. According to the Word of God, it is. It's evil. Singing when our heart's not in it is foolish. It's a foolish and evil sacrifice. Praying when our heart's not in it is a foolish and evil sacrifice. Giving when our heart's not in it is a foolish and evil sacrifice. Any act of worship when our heart is not in it is a foolish and evil sacrifice. So we need to watch our step when we come to the house of God lest we offer the sacrifice of fools. But then Solomon also talked about this in, in the, uh, the next few verses, the jeopardy of hasty words. Look at verse 2. He said, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow, verse 4, when, you, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? 
from the multitude of dreams and many words. There are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. I think Solomon, in part, is, is talking here about our prayer life. And he teaches us that, that we are to pray, first of all, reasonably. He, we're not to be rash, we're not to be hasty in our praying. The words of our mouth must always be the product of the meditation of our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, the psalmist said, be acceptable unto thee, O God. The two go together. The words of our mouth ought to be the product of the meditation of our hearts. And we know that tonight. We, we've, most of us here tonight have been in church long enough to know that we are to pray from our hearts. But let's not forget that we are to pray from hearts that are composed. That is, hearts that are not overrun with, with emotion or hearts that are simply caught up in the heat of the moment. I think of youth camp or the Amen Conference or a revival or a missions conference like we came through um, this year. We need to be careful that we don't pray and make vows to God based upon an emotional response. It needs to be a reasoned response. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. Praying reasonably is praying with understanding. It is understanding the seriousness of the words that I just said. It is praying with the understanding of the commitment that I just made, that I didn't make it out of uh, 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 haste, that I didn't make it out of emotion, but it was a well-reasoned response to the move of the Holy Spirit in my heart. We ought to pray reverently. Let's not forget, please do not forget that God is not, I repeat, is not the man upstairs. Mm -hmm. That aggravates me. He's not the man upstairs. The God we worship or pretend to worship is the sovereign and mighty God who rules the entire universe. As Solomon reminds us, he is in heaven. We're on earth. He is above us. We are beneath him. In other words, don't lose sight of the fact that God is infinitely holy and worthy to be worshipped. And we are utterly unholy. 
and worthy to be condemned. And were it not for His grace, we would be condemned to a Christless eternity in a devil's hell. You say, well, I just want what I deserve. No, you really don't. You really, really don't. I don't. God knows I don't want what I deserve. I want His grace. We should pray reservedly. Solomon said, therefore, let thy words be few. I read this in the uh, pulpit commentary. Definite petitions, duly weighed, and expressed in simple, earnest language, become us who stand at such a distance from the throne of God. A multitude of words, Solomon said, flow from a fool's mouth. Charles Spurgeon said, it is not the length of our prayers, but the lament of our prayers that touches God. Ten words prayed from the heart move the heart of God more than a hundred and ten words prayed with no heart. Amen. And we ought to pray responsibly. And I put this, praying responsibly has to do with not allowing our mouths to write checks our lives can't cash. Oh God, I'll do this. You better think about it. Better think about it. Making, according to these verses, if I understand these verses right, making a vow to God is a very serious thing. And God will hold us responsible for any and every vow we make, regardless of when or where they were made. Again, if I understand Solomon's teaching correctly, we would be better not to make a vow than to make one without having any intention of keeping it or trying somehow to back out of it. Well, it was a mistake. That's what Solomon said. Well, we can't, we can't, don't, don't do that. Well, it was a mistake. We should have thought about that. We had the spirit, we had the emotion, but we didn't have the understanding. There are two dangers when it comes to making vows. First, there is the danger of insulting God. God has no pleasure in fools. That's, that's biblical. And it's not a frivolous matter to insult God's intelligence by thinking we can pull one over on Him. <laughs> you know how foolish that is? 
going to pull one over on God, really? God knows our hearts. And whether or not we intend to keep the vows that we make when we make them. Remember what Paul said, God is not mocked. So there is the, the danger of insult, excuse me, insulting God. Then there is the danger of injuring ourselves. Solomon asked in verse 6, Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? Church, answer me this tonight. Why would we want to put ourselves in a position where we cannot be blessed by God? But that's what we do when we pray frivolous prayers and make fraudulent promises. We remove ourselves from the place of God's blessing. To avoid either of these dangers, we should take the heed or take heed to David's words from Psalm 66. David said in verses 13 and 14, he said, I will go into the house of the Lord with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken when I was in trouble. I wonder how many vows have been made to God. God, if you'll just if you if you'll if you'll just heal my little girl, God, if you'll just save my little boy, God, if you'll just heal me of this, if you'll just take care of that, if you'll just bring our wayward son home, our wayward daughter home, God, I will do this. better be careful. David said, I'll even pay the vows that I made when I was in trouble. Do you get the gist of tonight? We need to be serious about our approach to God and our walk with God. And not just, not just come in here flippantly not come in here just to come because it's Sunday and it's what we do on Sunday, but come in here understanding I am about to meet with the sovereign God of the universe. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook up with some really cool people along the way, but I'm not here for them. I'm here for God. and I want what God has for me. And I want to do what God tells me to do in His Word. And that, that ought to start tonight. I know we talk about worshiping on Sunday, but we're in God's house. It's Wednesday night. And it wouldn't hurt any of us to gear up on Sunday night like we're going to church on Sunday morning. Because... I mean, Wednesday night should not be treated like a minor league service. Yeah, that's 
Now, this, this ought to be big league. Sunday night ought to be big league. Everything ought to be big league in our mind. This is the major leagues. This is God's house. This isn't a minor league game. This isn't a spring training game. We ought to come to God's house every time like it's game seven of the World Series. Because this is big stuff. This serious stuff. And then we ought to pray realistically. Look at verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities, but fear thou God. In other words, just be real when you pray. <laughs> it's funny to hear some people pray. When you're talking to them out in the foyer, and then you call on them to pray, oh God. The most high and holy reverent one of the universe. <laughs> and they're out in the foyer just talking like a hillbilly. <laughs> just be real when you pray. Every, I don't know what to say. Just say what's on your heart. Doesn't have to be grammatically correct. God's not a grammar policeman. I told you how my dad prayed when he got saved. He said, well, God, I know I'm a sinner. Just like a lot of other people out there. But we're talking about me right now. I mean, that was our dad. You know, he was talking to one of his truck driving buddies. And then when he got done, he said, well, God, I guess that's it. For now. Like, see you on the flip side, good buddy. <laughs> My dad didn't say, in Jesus' name. He didn't use any fancy language. He just prayed like Gene Prater. If you would have talked to him at the grocery store, that's exactly how he would have talked to you. Is that right? That's exactly how he would have talked to you. And he talked to God like he would have talked to you. And that's how we ought to pray. So just be real. Just, I mean, you've heard your kids pray. Not that we chuckle at it, we laugh at it, but they're just being real. I mean, it's, it's funny sometimes what they pray. But their little hearts, they're just, they're just saying it. And I don't think it hurt any of us adults to kind of get rid of the pretense every now and then and just pray. So many Christians live in some kind of dream world where they got this make-believe God that seems to be okay with everything they do and everything they say. I submit to you tonight that they're going to be in for a rude awakening when they stand before God one day and have to give an account for their frivolous prayers and for their fraudulent vows. So again, Solomon is saying this. Be careful how you approach God. He's up there in 
somewhere down here. And he doesn't take any pleasure in the sacrifice of fools. So it is a, it is a reverent moment when we stand before God. So let me ask you tonight, how do you prepare for worship? I would submit to you, and I don't want to get all in your business, but I would submit to you that staying up till midnight watching TV or playing a video game probably isn't the best preparation for church on Sunday morning. Can I just suggest that you get a good night's rest on Saturday and come into God's house ready to go? Part of the, part of the effectiveness of that video was that they didn't say anything you but you could you knew what they were going through didn't you so maybe you're thinking man that was us Sunday morning the lady putting on her makeup <laughs> you know you got a kid that doesn't want to wear what you tell him to wear I mean that's real life right there it's real life and then we come in oh how you doing everything you know, you and your husband, you and your wife have been at it all morning. All right, I'm, I'm pretty transparent most of the time, aren't I? Me and the missus, we've had a few of those. I've left home. We've gotten into it on Sunday morning. My shirt wasn't ironed or whatever. I don't know. It's usually, it, it's 99.9% .9 of the time my fault. She's not in here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> not that she won't hear about it. Where's she at? Oh, there she is right there. <laughs> I love you, baby. But what I was about to say was 99.9% .9 of the time, it's my fault. <laughs> but how many times have I called home and said, I, I cannot preach like this? And I've, I've apologized. Listen, I'm just telling you, we've, we've got to come to church right. Don't expect the choir or some soloist or the preacher to prepare you for worship. That's not our job. It's not our responsibility. That's your responsibility. So how do you, how do you prepare for worship? Let, let me ask you this. Do you prepare for worship? It matters how we worship God. And he expects it to be in spirit and in truth. Our worship is to be genuine and authentic disingenuous and unauthentic worship leads to disingenuous and unauthentic commitments. So with our heads bowed tonight, and I'm going to pray.